Welcome to the Unbound Healing Podcast. I'm Anne-Marie Garland, nutritional therapist and health coach at Grassfed Salsa, and with me is my co-host Michelle Hoover, certified nutritional therapy practitioner and writer of everything you'll find at Unbound Wellness. Here we share everything about overcoming health challenges from autoimmunity to hormone imbalance and more with holistic living, mindset shifts, practical tips, and a real food paleo approach. Remember our disclaimer, the content within this podcast is intended to provide general information and is not to be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now let's get on with the show. What's up, you guys? It's Michelle here, back with another episode of the Unbound Healing Podcast. And this week, we have a really awesome interview for you. Um, it's pretty timely for me coming off of my recent Whole30. We are talking about the Whole30 and related topics with my friend, Melissa. She is a friend of mine, just one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram, and honestly, just one of my favorite people, period. She's great. So, so Melissa Herbst is the creator of Melissa's Food Freedom, an Instagram account and website where she shares her life after Whole30 through recipes, restaurant hacks, meal prep tips, and product reviews. She's best known for her Whole30 recipes like her everything bagel, sweet potato egg cups, and her saucy, crispy buffalo chicken tenders. Dang. She has completed six rounds of the Whole30 since beginning her holistic health journey in 2015. She loves inspiring others to find their food freedom and figure out their life after the Whole30. You can find Melissa on Instagram, Melissa's Food Freedom, and she just launched a new website, um, melissasfoodfreedom.com, which we talk about. It's awesome. You guys, go check it out. Go check her out, and I cannot wait for you to hear this interview. So let's go talk to Melissa. All right, Melissa, we are pumped to have you here in person. This is the first time that any of us have actually talked face-to-face, and it's so cool. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's so exciting, and you're right. It's so bizarre because I feel like we talk every single day, but it's not true at all. I'm talking to my phone. You're talking to your phone. (laughs) (laughs) I met my husband on Match.com, so I'm like the kind of person that's like, "Mm, it's close enough, like... (laughs) talking online it's pretty much like real life but yeah it doesn't feel weird yeah 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 so something that we start our podcast out with every week is something that you are loving so what are you loving this week well i have to say that i'm really excited that you're with beauty counter now because i'm really excited about the lipstick that i got from you this week yes yes i'm gonna do a quick plug for you (laughs) So it's so funny that you announced that. Was it last week or the week before? I'm not sure when, but recently, yeah, recently when you announced it, like that morning, I had been thinking to myself, you know, I feel like I've really cleaned up my relationship with food and I need to kind of extend that into the makeup that I buy, the skincare that I have, the cleaning products I use at home. I should really like start with makeup because that's the most fun. That's way more fun than new cleaning (laughs) products. So 
I should look into beauty counter and see if I know anybody. And it's so funny because I saw your Instagram post later that day and I was like, this is perfect. (laughs) So yeah, I got the intense red lipstick and I usually feel like that's a special occasion color to have on my lips. But for whatever reason, I feel like, why? Why does it have to be a special occasion to wear a bright red? And I love it. And it's so soft. I love it. Isn't it soft? It's got peppermint in it. And it smells good too. I was going to say that. It does. Every time I put it on, I'm like, yes, that's become my, I'm usually like a pink lipstick kind of girl. Like I like the bright pink, but that's slowly becoming my everyday lipstick is the red. And thank you so much. I love how it looks on you. It looks amazing on you. Oh, thanks. It's such a power color. It It really is. is. It totally is. Yeah. I'm bummed. It doesn't work with my skin tone. (laughs) I just like sent Michelle like a pity text. I'm like, oh my God, feel sorry for me. <laughs> this color doesn't work on me. Oh, there's a lot of things that don't work on me, but yeah, uh, yeah. totally just joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a really fun color. I'm glad that you like it too. So what I guess we all know you for and what I, you know, have just gotten so much inspiration from you on this and what you put out on Instagram and online and just all of your amazing content is all about, or a lot, not all, but a lot about kind of like your health journey and through the Whole30 and through food freedom and through this real food lifestyle So we would love if you would just kind of start out talking about um, how you got into that, a little bit about your health story and your journey into real food. Absolutely. So my health journey certainly didn't begin begin as a journey for health. It began, began as a journey for weight loss. So I was fairly overweight all through childhood and high school. And it really wasn't until college where essentially I could just, I just couldn't fit into the clothes at the stores that I wanted to buy. I was frustrated because I felt like I had a sense of style that I liked to wear and I couldn't wear it anymore because I didn't fit into anything at any of the stores I liked to shop with. And that's when I realized that maybe I had a bit of a weight problem. So that's when I started a weight loss journey. And it definitely was not right there, the beginning of my health journey at all. Uh, I was a total Diet Coke addict, and I was all about any hack and any packaged product that had the right numbers on the nutrition facts box to get me to have the right amount of points. At that time, I was doing Weight Watchers to lose weight to get me to have the right you know, numbers in my day, despite what my body was telling me, despite you know, how I felt about those things just to get that number on the scale down. So that's how it began. And that lasted for a few years, two or three years. And I had a lot of success with weight loss. Um, And then um, I was introduced to the Whole30. Um, And once I was introduced to the Whole30 and I did my first Whole30, not only did I continue to uh, get closer to my weight loss goals and my health goals, but I really understood what holistic health means and what it means not just to look better, but to truly feel better 
um, to have better energy levels, um, to be able to think more clear, clearly and not be controlled by food cravings and really understand how my body works according to the kind of foods that I put in my body and the way that I treat my body and the sleep that I give myself. So I would say the Whole30 was kind of like my springboard into understanding health, even though I was a few years into a different kind of journey. So I'm curious, you talked about how the Whole30 actually made you like think less, less obsessed about the foods that you were eating. And I know a lot of people tend to have an, the issue where they'll they'll try a new diet and then it just kind of spins them off into something where they're like totally obsessed about food because now there's like restrictions that they put on themselves. Do you feel like you approached the whole 30 in a certain way that allowed you to not become like kind of obsessive about food or is it just like maybe luck and just your mindset? Do you have any tips for that? I think I was definitely someone who saw the Whole30 as something that was restrictive. Um, I think the best way to explain and answer your question is to kind of just talk about my steps into starting Whole30, how I became introduced to the Whole30 and did one. So hopefully that will answer your question. But I was introduced to the Whole30 through a friend that I had at the time, and she asked if I would join her in doing a Whole30, and I said absolutely no way. (laughs) Why would I do that if what I'm doing now is helping me lose weight and I'm fine? And why would I give up bread? I love bread. I don't want to live in a world without bread. I was totally convinced that I had it all figured out and, you know, thanks for the advice, but you know, that's fine. And then, you know, a month went by, two months went by and this girl who offered, you know, to have me join her, she was doing amazing. She, looked amazing. She had energy that was just through the roof and I wanted it. I got it. It wasn't until I saw someone really pursuing health in that way in a more holistic view and not just a eating the right things to lose a number on the scale. Wasn't until I saw it with my own eyes that I realized that I wanted it and I was comfortable going into a whole 30 and knowing there were going to be 30 days restricting foods because I saw the end goal. I saw what what I wanted. And that was what was motivating me to be more willing to give up those things. And then once I was in it, I realized that the black and white for my personality type is just easier for me. It's a lot easier to just say no to something than it is to just try to find when it works. So Mm -hmm. I think I had, I, I think I had that advantage, but also it's a lot easier to not overeat sugar when you're not led to sugar by cravings from other things. Or it's a lot easier to not overindulge in pizza when you don't have gluten in your system asking for more. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another big thing that I learned is it felt restrictive at first, but I realized it was helping me to not be so ruled by food. Mm -hmm. I may be backing up like way too far here, but there may be one or two people listening to the podcast who are like, wait, which one is the Whole30? What is that? Can we talk about like what the Whole30 is and like the difference between like if anybody follows me on Instagram, I just finished a Whole30 and I ate some mad chips and tacos when we were in picnic at Austin. 
<laughs> so, yeah, totally. I would love if you could talk about and just sure. Kind of what it is. Yeah, that's totally fine. And I think the best way to do this is to give you the same cookie cutter answer that any whole 30 year who is knowledgeable will give you, which is that the whole 30 is a 30 day reset where you just push the reset button on your habits with food, your relationship with food, and just reset the relationship and start fresh. So that means focusing on eating um, nutrient dense, nourishing foods, eating animal proteins, natural fat, lots of vegetables, occasional serving of fruit, nuts and seeds, and eliminating things from your diet that aren't bad, but are potentially problematic for you. So things that are uh, universally understood as potentially problematic for people include grains, including gluten-free grains, dairy, um, legumes, which also includes soy, alcohol, and then eliminating any form of added sugar or sweetener. So you take 30 days and you do that while also stepping away from the scale and your relationship with the scale. Um, and then allowing yourself to reset through eating just those foods for 30 days without breaking what's happening inside your body with little cheats and slip ups and things like that. You really need to truly trust the science and let it reset for 30 days. Then after the 30 days, you reintroduce each food group one at a time systematically. And for some people, that means even dividing a food group even more and differentiating the specific foods in its food group. But usually for a first whole 30, just one food group at a time and seeing how your body behaves as you reintroduce each food group back in your diet. And then you're not finished. It's not over. Your health isn't perfect after 30 days and then a reintroduction period. But then you have a starting point to better understand how the foods you eat affect you and how the way that you choose to eat and your relationship with certain foods will affect you and your diet. And some, that was an awesome explanation, by the way. Um, Thank you. And something that I just wanted to plug and make clear for everybody listening is Anne and I both talk about the autoimmune protocol. That's the, that's something that we've both done. That is kind of the community that we serve. And when we look at other approaches like the whole 30 or like a keto diet or this and that, it's like, well, how is that different? How does, how do they work together and against each other? And really you can do a whole 30, like a reset, just kind of a moment to step away from these things within any confines that you're doing, especially something like an autoimmune protocol. And I did it because I thought it would be really helpful to take that moment away from things like sugar. And it is very eye-opening. So if you're wondering like, hey, well, how do you do this with this? And you can combine things for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's also a good way to kind of phase yourself into one of these more restrictive diets like the AIP or a SIBO approach or something like that because it has fewer restrictions than what they do, but they they definitely touch on like the reintroductions process and everything, which is actually what made me gravitate towards your account, Melissa. So when I first started following you, you didn't have a website and you do now. And we can talk about that later too. Brand new. <laughs> yes. But we, um, what really made me gravitate towards your account was that you were 
focused on the reintroductions. And with Whole30, I personally haven't ever attempted one, but just what I've seen with friends who have tried it and coworkers who have tried it, it's like they do the 30 days and then they go out and on day 31 binge on like queso and margaritas. And then they feel horrible and have no idea like what triggered this feeling, you know? And, and so you were one of the first accounts I saw that was really preaching like the importance of reintroductions, how to do it and how to then customize that to feel your best moving forward rather than just like jumping off the deep end into are you talking about me at picnic no (laughs) no it wasn't that bad at picnic it was the day right after my whole 30 and i basically like what i ate was the siete tortillas so yeah you had that's not so far almond flour tortilla chips and it was like (laughs) And even if you do go off the deep end, I think that's an important lesson for you to learn so that the next time you can make um, choices that maybe help you long term versus something that's just like, oh, well, this was a 30 day diet. And now I know that I feel great on the whole 30, but I don't know how to tailor that to work for me moving forward. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Do you want to talk about like what your reintroductions looked like maybe the first time versus now having done, you know, being kind of like a a seasoned expert. Yeah. So I think while we, I think while we keep diving into whole 30, I just want to take a quick sidebar to make a disclaimer that um, I'm not associated or affiliated with the whole 30 or the whole 30 team in any way. So everything I'm saying is my own experience, my own opinion on the whole 30 program and if you're interested in doing a whole 30, if you're listening and this resonates with you and you want to learn more, definitely approach the official whole 30 resources, which starts with whole30.com. And then they have an amazing amount of book resources that I highly recommend as well. So just wanted to click quick, make that disclaimer that these are my own experiences and opinions, and I'm not officially associated with them because unlike, you know, paleo or something like that, there is the whole 30 which is copyrighted. So, so my first whole 30 was in August, 2015. It's been almost three years since I started my whole 30. So looking back on my early reintroductions and um, my early whole thirties, I think it's important to note that um, it's not going to be a 100% perfect reintroduction period every time, especially if a month ago, you were chugging Diet Coke and going through the drive through every week. So while you do need to follow the program rules exactly for 30 days and do a reintroduction, which is, um, there's a couple different ways to do a reintroduction. It's important to note that as your knowledge of the Whole30 grows and reintroduction protocols and things like that grow, that you're going to get better at it. So that being said regarding reintroduction, I think um, it's important to realize that when you're bringing back all dairy at once or all gluten at once, um, my big recommendation for reintro is to really watch the amount of added sugar that you're bringing back with those foods because your reaction to um, whole, a cup of whole milk or um, a scoop of sour cream is going to be totally different from your reaction to eating gelato or ice cream or something like that. And the same with gluten. 
Um, there are different ways to consume gluten that include <laughs> a lot of sugar, like having, you know, it, it, it's tricky with gluten, I, I suppose, because often it's mixed with, you know, dairy or something else like that. But eating a cinnamon roll instead of a piece of whole grain toast, you're going to have different reactions. So I would definitely recommend to people looking to fine tune their reintroduction to watch the effects of added sugar and perhaps even reintroduce added sugar separately from other food groups altogether, which is hard because once you start bringing gluten back into your diet or soy, that's when all those junky ingredients also come in as well with most products. So you have to watch that. So that's, that's one really important thing to note for reintro is just sugar. And um, my own personal experience, my first Whole30 bringing back things in reintroduction was I was surprised that my, uh, my um, reaction to gluten was connected to my reaction to sugar. And my reaction to dairy was related to my reaction to gluten. And so even though I went through a 10-day reintroduction process after my first Whole30, I realized that the human body, my body, is a lot more complex than just breaking out all of these food groups and learning how each affects you. There's a lot of things in play and they're very interrelated and even the different foods within each food group will affect you in different ways. So it was in some ways really enlightening to experience a reintroduction and see all of these different effects for these different food groups that I never understood could even be connected to dietary um, choices that I make. But also it opened a can of worms in a completely different way because it helped me to understand, wow, there's a lot more going on here besides just cutting out all dairy altogether. I think that's a really great distinction. And especially, so I know this is like very personal and it may not directly impact anybody else's choice to go through a Whole30, but we always get asked, people always ask Michelle and I, like, what our reactions are to food. Oh, yeah, yeah. What foods we were able to successfully reintroduce. So would you yeah. feel comfortable sharing yours? Yeah, I don't mind at all. And I think I like talking about it because my reactions to food groups have changed. And yeah, um, especially my my reactions to grains. So it's not something that has remained static. It's not like I was finished. And um, I know people talk about like allergy tests, like, why don't I just take an allergy test? Yeah, no, it well, doesn't work Our body is a little more complicated like that. And the landscape of our gut and the landscape of our entire body changes. So I don't mind answering this question at all. And I can talk about where I am now and where I was after my whole 30, if you'd yeah, like to Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It, no, it's so important to say that just because you're able to tolerate something at this point does not mean that you'll be able to tolerate it in the future and vice versa, for sure. I've had that same experience. So I'd love to hear sure. your experience. So I'll preface by saying that I'm really blessed to not have any major um, long lasting or uh, really severe reactions to any food group. So um, anything that I might choose to eat and evaluate as a a food that's really worth it to me is something that is accessible to me in ways that might not be accessible to someone with a chronic illness or severe intolerance for a food group. So I'll preface it by saying that, 
Um, but I choose to eat my everyday life, a diet that's free of gluten, but includes gluten-free grains, free of dairy, and usually avoiding soy, but definitely consuming non-Whole30 food groups such as legumes. Uh, I mentioned gluten-free grains. And then I do have sugar in my diet. I do consume added sugar, um, but it wasn't always that way. So after my first Whole30, I um, cut grains completely from my diet for two years. I didn't consume any grains, gluten-free or non-gluten-free. And it wasn't until August of 2017, so just this past August, that I did a reintroduction. And yes, every time I do a reintroduction, I bring back every single food group because my body is always changing. I do bring back dairy, even though I don't like dairy, because I want to see how, how my body is affected at that time. So anyway, um, August 2017, I brought back gluten-free grains and I realized, wow, that gave me a lot of energy for my workout. And you know what? That really made me feel full a little bit longer. I'm going to experiment with bringing gluten-free grains back into my diet. So I've done that. And I do have a serving of gluten-free grains about every day now. Um, things like rice and oats and just different gluten-free things. So that's really widened my diet, but I think, and this is me saying I think because I'm not a medical professional, that my gut had some sort of healing process that needed to happen for a while mm -hmm. before I was able to consume gluten-free grains and my body to tolerate it, and not only tolerate it, but feel really nourished by it. So I do enjoy gluten-free grains now, but I didn't always enjoy grains. And that's why I'm not quick to put a label on myself like I'm a paleo person or I'm, you know, I'm a non this or that because I feel like my diet is always changing. And as long as my body accepts and feels nourished by a food, I'll consume it and enjoy it. So that's basically how I eat now. That's awesome. I, I feel the same way. And it's hard for, I think, people, um, for all three of us here, I think it's hard for people to make that distinction when we go on to Instagram or um, somebody's blog and they say, like, I'm paleo, I'm Whole30, like, I'm AIP. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we live in these states forever. These are just the communities that we serve. Right. So exactly. when you see somebody like Melissa, who's like bomb at giving all these awesome whole 30 tips for me, like me and Anne who talk about AIP. Um, people get really confused when I eat like non AIP things or they're really confused of why I'm quote unquote on AIP for so long. Or I'm sure some people are confused. Like, why are you doing whole 30 forever? It's like, we're, we're not really doing it forever. It's just that these are the communities that we serve and we don't permanently live in these places. So I'm really happy that we talked about this for sure. Yeah. And something that I just wanted to insert in here and maybe have a conversation about is that we so often talk about AIP and Whole30 and paleo and all these different diets who are, that are, we describe them as restrictive, like, oh, this is a really restrictive diet. And I mean, when you look at the list of foods, it's not as long as a diet that is not within those parameters, of course, it's not as long. But I think that all three of us can agree here that 
the way that we really view them and perceive them and what they've done for us is so empowering rather than restrictive. Like it has empowered the heck out of me to not eat nightshades and not eat gluten. Whereas people will look at me and be like, oh, that's a restrict if you can't have tomatoes or potatoes. Like, no, it's empowering because I'm able to walk around and not feel like junk. And I feel like you put that out a lot as well, that it's like, this isn't painful for you to do a whole dirty. It's like, this is great. Like, I feel great. Like I'm learning more about my body and how I tolerate things, you know? Exactly. Completing a Whole30 arms you with information about yourself that is 100% empowering and allows you to make better choices in your everyday life, more informed choices. I'll never forget the first time I was on a Whole30, I had this massive headache and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I was able to pinpoint, well, I consumed a lot more garlic than usual Mm. today. And then I did some research and realized, wow, if you eat a lot of garlic, you're going to probably get migraines or headaches or things like that. And just being able to isolate issues that I was having with my body because I was paying so much attention to what I was putting in my mouth and how I was treating my body was totally empowering. So I'm totally with you on that. I love that. So one of my favorite things about following you and getting all the tips and information from you is that you just post such helpful and practical and inspirational tips about living a real food lifestyle, whether that be Whole30 or just kind of like this food freedom approach. Um, Do you have any tips on kind of making this lifestyle and especially like a whole 30, I guess, more successful that you'd like to share. I mean, your Instagram is full of them. So if you can't give all of your wonderful tips, guys, just go follow her on Instagram. Oh, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. The secret to, um, you know, my tips being so practical is because I'm totally a real human being. I have a normal job and a normal life. And so my stuff is pretty, pretty normal because that's me. (laughs) Um, But I would say the biggest secret for approaching any kind of an elimination diet, any kind of a new uh, pattern of eating or health lifestyle is just don't do it alone. Mm -hmm. We have social media and I really encourage people to harness the power that is social media by building communities or joining a community that's existing and becoming a part of it, jumping in and talking to other people who are doing the same stuff, doing stuff that you like, just not doing it alone. So Basically, I'm saying follow me on Instagram (laughs) (laughs) because honestly, it's just so helpful to have other people who are ready to talk to you, who are ready to say, hey, I've been there too and you can get through it. And I've done that before too and I totally understand. Those are things that we have been doing relating to one another as human beings forever. But now that the internet exists, it's so much more easier to do that than it ever has before. I hardly know any people who care at all about the Whole30 in my real life. But the beauty of Instagram and the beauty of social media is that we can build these amazing communities of supportive people who understand us and um, have the same similar goals and the same similar lifestyles. I love that. We've had, we've done a couple episodes talking about how you know, people will say like, oh, if your spouse or your best friend or significant other, like, isn't doing a diet with you, like you don't have support. 
like people have this idea in their mind that somebody like in their life needs to be doing it just like them. And it just doesn't always work out like that. And I love how you said that we can find support in other places. Yeah. I think I remember you talking about like a while back where you finally showed your account to your friends or something. They didn't even know that you like were this whole 30 Instagram person. <laughs> Which I just thought was hilarious. Okay, I'll tell a secret. I'll tell a secret. This is this is unbound healing exclusive. I, hardly anyone in my real life knows this Instagram account exists and my wow. website and all of it. I just like, I haven't gotten there. I haven't. I, I'm getting close to the point where it's getting a little ridiculous, and I need to like talk about it in real life. But <laughs> I mean, my family knows, and like my very closest friends know, but. I don't have a personal Instagram or a personal Facebook, so that makes it a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like this is the only way I'm on social media. So it's hard because I feel like people people feel like, you know, oh, somebody's gonna judge me or they're gonna think it's weird. And honestly, some people will right, like, be, be judgy. Afraid, yes. <laughs> yeah, some people will be judgy, but like honestly, like, well, it sucks for them that they're not doing something cool. That's my <laughs> that's literally like when I, yeah, when my husband started telling his friends that I was doing it or like I started saying that I was doing it, like my food photography wasn't that great. There was like four people following me on Instagram and one of them was like my mom, you know, I was like, oh, I'm doing this thing. And like nobody, everybody's like, oh, that's weird. And now like my husband's friends are like tagging me on Instagram being like, I made your thing and like, duh, duh, duh. so, you know, there's like lots <laughs> of people. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 99.9% .9 of the people in my life have been supportive for sure, but there's always going to be the people that are like, that's weird. And it's mostly because, you know, a lot of that is just a reflection. We talk about that when we talk about food that, you know, if somebody's judging you for doing a whole 30 or doing an AIP or going dairy free or whatever, if they're thinking it's weird, a lot of it is them internalizing saying, oh, I need to be doing that, but I'm not. So I'm going to kind of take it out on this person. So if anybody takes it out on you, it's because they wish they were doing something as awesome. I like how you think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I say to the haters. That's what I say. <laughs> Okay. So then my favorite part, I know I've already talked about appreciating your approach to reintroductions, but my favorite part about your account and it's in the title of your account is food freedom. So tell us what that means and how somebody can like find food freedom for themselves. Sure. So the easiest way to define food freedom is it means being in control of your food choices and food not being in control of you. It means having the freedom to say no to a food you don't want to eat, even if you normally would find something irresistible. Um, so I think that's the easiest way to define food freedom. It means getting a place in your relationship with food where you know um, what works for your body, you know what doesn't work for your body, you know what you like and you don't like, and you can evaluate each food and each meal and each bite of each meal by evaluating if that food is worth it to you based on what your reaction to that food might be. So that was really different when I was on a weight loss journey because I was evaluating how worth it certain foods were with a lot of added sugar or something like that. So I think those, those things change. Food freedom isn't 
ever going to be the same. Like I mentioned, my relationship with grains changing after two years of cutting them out. Um, it's always being ready to evaluate a food that is worth it to you and, and worth it in the sense of how it's going to affect your body and if that cost is worth it. And that, that answer looks different for everybody. And that answer looks really different from people with Hashimoto's or different kinds of illnesses where there are severe reactions. So don't get me wrong in saying, if this is really worth it, you should eat it and have severe health problems. Please don't get me wrong there. But um, in my own experience, my food freedom has been having the kind of diet that allows me to make choices based on if I want to eat the food and not because I'm really hungry and it sounds really good and I can't control myself around brownies. So that's food freedom. I love that so, so much. And that's exactly what, like how I feel about having gone through the AIP and gone through the elimination and um, customization phase and just making it something that makes me feel my best every single day. And so even though it doesn't look like AIP, it's, it's like my version of AIP. It's my customized like food freedom diet. So I love, love, love that. Right. And I think it's something that's hard to um, live because it's so counterintuitive to how we even form our conversations around food and our conversations around meals. If you're having a really restrictive diet, I'm sure you have friends and family in your life who have said things like they've said to me, which is, wow, you just have so much self-control or mm. wow, you really just, um, you are really something for, for not eating that. Or am I going to mess you up by eating this in front of you? And yeah. <laughs> I think that we don't even in our culture have a, a correct even understanding of what it looks like to have a diet where you're in control of what you're eating and what you choose to eat. So mm -hmm. I think it comes with a little bit of humility and understanding that a lot of people aren't going to understand what food freedom means to you because, you know, for example, I can, I can go to someone's house and they might have something with a ton of cheese on it. And, you know, I politely decline that thing and say no to it. But if I go home and have a yogurt, that might to some people seem like, well, why are you not eating that? But you're eating that. That doesn't make sense. It's the same thing, but it's a lot more complex than that. And I think it's something that as a culture, we just don't have, um, we don't have the right framework to even talk about it in correct ways. So I think food freedom is something that's really empowering for people. It's really exciting to live a life like this and really powerful to have the kind of diet that you're completely in control of. And something you want to share with others, but also something that you have to understand that most people won't even understand what you mean. Totally. Yeah. Um, okay. So then the, the last thing that I wanted to talk about with you is your suggestions that you have for like going to certain events while following an elimination diet, like the whole 30. So I think you've done this both for dining out and like a bachelorette party that you went to. So how, what, what did that look like for you? Yeah. So I've, I've completed six whole thirties um, and that's over the course of three years. Um, that's a lot. But it is a lot. And, yeah, yeah. And it's really not something that um, I ever, 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 ever set out to do unless I feel like I need to do it based on my health and my habits. Um, I never just go into an elimination diet because I feel like I need to fix myself or lose weight or something like that. So 
I'll say that, that it does seem like a lot, but I'm also working really hard to improve my relationship with food. So it, during those whole 30s, I've experienced weddings, I've experienced funerals, I've experienced not a vacation yet. Don't, don't do a whole 30 on vacation, but mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, work, work trips and, you know, weekend trips, definitely bachelorette parties, restaurants. So I'm really used to learning how to navigate situations like that. And especially when it comes to things like a recent bachelorette party or dining out is the reason that you are going to the event has nothing to do with the food you're going to be eating. It has to do with the relationship that you have with that person, the friendship that you have with that person and the company that you're with. And I think if we start there with why are we going to this event and why are we doing this thing? If we're leading off with, well, it's a wine tasting and I really love wine, then yeah, it's going to be really hard and you're probably going to complain the whole time and everyone's going to be annoyed being around you because you're going to complain about not being able to drink the whole time. You have to approach it with joy to be with the people that you're with. And you know what? We all eat meals every single day and one dry, ugly salad at a restaurant is not going to kill you. You can eat before, you can eat after, you can pack an RX bar, you can do whatever you need to do. It's not going to kill you to have one bad meal in your life. Just focus on the relationships and the reason that you're there. And that's to spend time with other people. And that's a super big simplification of a really complex issue that's very emotionally charged because maybe the people will notice what's on your plate or maybe this feels like something that's really, really special. So it's not quite that easy. And I understand I'm simplifying but I think it does take a little bit of pressure off to realize, you know what? Most people won't care. Most people won't say anything. We're in a society now where it can be really rude or impolite to like impose yourself on someone else's plate. So there is a little bit of safety in that. Yeah. And in terms of the whole 30, it's a lot easier now to just be open and say, Oh, I'm doing a whole 30 because a lot of people know what the whole 30 is, especially like for me, like, I live in the Midwest. There are a ton of, you know, Midwestern moms and church ladies who are like, oh, my coworker did that. And it's no big deal to just say you're doing a Whole30. So also feel like you have the freedom to just say what you're doing and not feel like you're hiding some secret shame that you're doing an elimination diet. Oh, yeah. I feel the same way that I... I'll tell people when I'm eating something weird, like I was at a conference and everybody had their little conference lunch and I was there with my, um, you know, like more AIP stuff. Was it a sub sandwich? I feel like we're conferences. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's like sandwiches and I wasn't really (laughs) even looking at it. Like everybody, you know, they give everyone, you know, a cookie and like you get your whole chips and all of that. And I just didn't have that. People were like, oh, like, why didn't you ask for like an allergen free one? Or, you know, you could do this or that. And it's like, you know, I'm always like, grateful that people try to help, but I'm just like, no, I'm okay. Like, it's fine. And like, after you say that, like, it's fine. Like if nobody's going to keep, people are just like, oh, okay. Like nobody. And if people do keep pressuring you, it's on them. Like, I'm always grateful when people are like, oh, like, what can I do? What can I make for you? Like, if I'll go to a, um, a party and I'm not eating anything like, Oh, well, what can I make? Like, what can I help? I'm like, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. Like I'm, I'm fine with this. Like I feel more I just feel more comfortable eating this. I'm, I'm fine. Like, okay. Like if everybody's going to really like force food down your throat, right. 
and like be right. like, but wait, like eat this queso. Like <laughs> nobody is really going to do that. And you're so right that the point is that you're there celebrating time with people. And yeah, if you're going to an event that is just all about food, it's like, yeah, maybe I just... <laughs> When you're really early on in a food journey where you're starting to learn to things, it's you kind of have to pick and choose your battles of like, maybe I don't want to just tag along on this wine tasting. Like maybe it's just not going to be fun for me. Like you do have to make those decisions. But I think that as you start to get further and further down, like I could probably just like walk around a wine tasting right now and like not care or like a I would drink wine. It's like a brewery. I would not. I don't think even if I could drink, I'm not a beer, never a beer drinker. (laughs) But I think the point is, my point is in the beginning, I don't think I would have really been able to handle that. But I get to the point where it's like, it's just, I can, I can handle it. Like I can be around other people doing these things. And you're so right that one just like sad salad is not the end of the world. And that's not why you're there to like really eat like this special menu item at Chili's. Like, it's not even that great. Like it's really not, it's really not that exciting. Like it's okay. And I just love your attitude there. It's like, it's fine. You know, it's, it is hard. Like food is emotional. Food is like, we we're all here because we love food, but in the grand scheme of things, like if it's going to like make you not feel great, like just choose to feel better. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important for people to be realistic in that, like, let's say it's your best friend's bachelorette party and you love wine and you're going to Sonoma and you're going to, you know, it's like an experience that you really want to enjoy wholeheartedly, then maybe choose to not do a whole 30. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. sure. During that particular time. But you can't procrastinate doing these types of things because of every birthday and every wedding. Oh yeah. Events are always happening. There's a holiday pretty much every single month of the year. There is events happening every month, like coworkers, birthdays. At some point you just have to reprioritize yourself and your health over the events that may or may not be happening during that month. For sure. I think you need to, when I first started an AIP type diet, it was right before Thanksgiving. And I was like, I can't make it through a super new diet like this during Thanksgiving. Like I can't make it through that, but I can start now and I can make it through Christmas. So I think if you're starting something like this, like a new protocol right before Christmas or right before Thanksgiving, like you have to evaluate like, okay, is this really where I want to start? But eventually, yeah, you're going to bump into something. Mm-hmm. Of like, I eventually, I just need to be like, okay, this just isn't going to be about the food right now. Or I can make, which we are all on the internet to do, is share amazing recipes that comply with these different protocols that still taste really great. So there are so many options out there. Yeah, definitely. Coming from a Whole30 perspective, I really love doing Whole30s in the summertime because of the amazing variety of fruits and vegetables that you can purchase. At least here in Wisconsin, we don't have access to wonderful fresh produce all year round. So summer is a great time to start thinking about um, maybe approaching your diet differently because there's just so many incredible fresh local fruits and vegetables available to you in those months. I love that. Awesome. Well, this has been such an awesome conversation. I really hope 
I mean, I know that the whole 30 is kind of like the, the audience that you serve, but we talked about so many amazing things that just apply to people that follow so many different protocols. So this is so awesome. So, so awesome. So something that we like to, Oh, let's, we'll, we'll do this. (laughs) We'll close, we'll do your meal of the week. And then we'll talk about like where people can find you and all of that stuff. Um, I want to hear your meal of the week. So something that we do when we close the podcast or we get close to closing is we talk about something just like a meal that you've been loving recently so it could be something that you're loving this week could be something that you're loving recently it could be a new recipe on your blog that you are digging so what's your meal Mm. it's always hard for us we do this every time literally every time Okay, I got one. <laughs> so recently I discovered chickpea pasta. There's a couple different brands of it. And it's essentially just pasta made out of chickpeas, chickpea flowers, pea protein, that kind of thing. And I love it because while I do enjoy a gluten-free diet, I just prefer the taste of these chickpea pastas over like a gluten-free grain-based pasta. I just think they're so delicious and they're so filling. So I've loved um, just making like a quick bread sauce or like a spicy tomato sauce with this pasta and pairing it with some protein and some extra veggies. And that's been really good. I did one this week for my husband and I, which was chickpea pasta with tomato sauce um, with like red pepper in it as well. And then a ton of steamed broccoli and freshly grilled chicken. And it just tasted so filling, so amazing. There was like a ton of greens in there and that's my meal of the week. It sounds delicious. I have a box of the Eat Banza. Banza? Yeah, that's the one that I love. Yeah. Yeah. I have that one in my the orange boxes right now. Yeah. I haven't I haven't really had much of it. I think I may have had it once or twice in the past, but I have it in my um kitchen right now. And I love pasta. I'm Italian. So if I were to tell you my maiden name, be like, what? And was really confused. Like, how do you even say that? <laughs> my dad's Vinny. I'm from New York. Your girl loves pasta. So, and it's good. It's pretty good. So have you ever had the, they have like, they have great shapes too. They have like wheels. I haven't had the wheels. I haven't seen them in our I haven't area seen yet. Them. Yeah. I think that they sell them online, but I love the wheels. They have penne. They have rotini. They have so many different, they have, I'm pretty sure they have like spaghetti too. So it's really. Yeah. Cool. I've had like the spaghetti and the penne and the, um, they have shells too. I've yeah. done that. And you know, they have um, boxes of mac and cheese in their pasta that I buy for my husband too. Ooh. Ooh. I need to look into that. Yeah, that's such a great, especially if you got anybody's listening that like needs to have a gluten-free kitchen, but they have a family that is not, you know, totally gluten-free. That's one of those amazing options to bring in to have other people have. Or children. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's another one that I recently, that Eat Banza is one that I recently discovered too, and it's really good. And you're right, it's like higher in protein, so it's a lot more filling than traditional, like a rice pasta. Yeah, rice pasta. At first I thought of it as something where 
like it had to be like the whole dish, like it was my whole meal. But I realized I can just have a, a serving of it with animal protein that will be like even more filling and nourishing and and veggies and it be like just part of my plate and not like what I used to eat, which was like a giant bowl of just pasta and cheese. <laughs> I literally did that. I like made my dairy-free cheese sauce and the spaghetti and just had a big pasta. <laughs> Ooh, I need to hear more about this cheese sauce, this dairy-free <laughs> cheese sauce. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's actually cauliflower based. So it sneaks in a veggie. Nice. Love that. So we would love to hear more about where people can find you. We talked about Instagram, but you also have a blog, all of that. So if there's anything that, or if there's anything that you'd like to close out with. Sure. Tell us. So you can find me. Sure. So you can find me on Instagram. It's at Melissa's food freedom. Nothing fancy about it, just all together. Melissa's Food Freedom, as well as the brand new website, melissasfoodfreedom.com. I would be so honored if you would head over there and take a look at my brand new website. I would really appreciate it. Um, Yeah, so just be on the lookout. Um, I'll be doing a Whole30 Recipes takeover in June, so you can catch me there as well. And yeah. My followers and my community are like the nicest people on Instagram. Like everyone is so nice and so eager to meet other like-minded health people. So definitely join us. Yes. It is so positive, you guys. This is not like anything that you've ever seen before. I love your Instagram. I just love how positive and it always puts me in a good mood. That's so nice. I also just wanted to state that just because her website is brand new, she launched with like 50 recipes. So yeah, a really great resource. It's not just, it's not just like something that you'll you'll look through in a few minutes. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much my entire catalog so far of everything I've ever shared on my Instagram with a specific recipe, as well as a few different, um, I guess I'll just call them like strategies or meal ideas that aren't exactly just specific step-by-step recipes, but Hey, have you tried adding this to this, to this? Yeah those kind of things that are really helpful to, to have and know about as well. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. I've been loving it. I'm so happy that you launched a website and I can't wait for some of the listeners, um, on our podcast to mosey on over there. So that's, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. And that is it for this week. You guys, if you would like to find Melissa, you can go follow her on Instagram on her website and you know where to find Anne and I as well. And you'll find the links to everything that we talked about in the show notes, which you can just kind of scroll up for and tap away. All right. That's it. Have a great week, you guys. Bye. 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 Thanks so much for listening to the Unbound Healing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe in iTunes and leave us a review. Until next time, you can find more from me, Anne, at grassfedsalsa.com and more from Michelle at unboundwellness.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.